weeks ago, we started the book of Romans, and Paul wrote about his desire to minister to those in Rome. So far, none of the apostles had been to Rome to minister to the church there. Remember, this is being written to the church, not just to random Romans that happen to be in Rome. This was written to Christians, believers that were in Rome. And Paul commended them, saying, your faith is being spoken of throughout the world. People are hearing about your faith. None of the apostles went there and planted churches. So these people had a relationship with Jesus without being instructed and led by the apostles. But Paul looked forward to going there and engaging with them because he knew that he could instill something in them with his teaching, his faith, the gifts that God has given him. But he also knew that when he went there, he would receive back from them the gifts God has blessed them with. And it would be a mutual sort of giving and taking in the gifts of the Spirit. And so he really looked forward to doing that. Paul was a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. And so the idea of going to Rome and meeting them and sharing with them, it, it really spoke to him because he was meeting with his people. Oh, he loved the Jews, and he really wanted to lead the Jews into a relationship with Christ. But they rejected what he was teaching them. And so he went to the Gentiles because that's what God told him to do. And he was faithful to do that. But now he's getting to go to the Romans, the other nation that he was really tied to because he was a Roman citizen. And so he looked forward to getting there and sharing with them the good news of the gospel. And so today's message is titled, Choose a Side. And we continue our study through the book of Romans. We're going to pick it up in Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. No Christian should be. We shouldn't be ashamed of the truth. We shouldn't be ashamed of what we believe because it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is power because it's the power of God, not the power of me. It's not that I have special power because of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is the power in the gospel. And so what power does the gospel have? The power of salvation. When we talk about the gospel message, we're talking about Jesus Christ leaving the throne room of God, coming to 
earth as a human being born and then having a ministry here on earth. And three and a half years of ministry he poured into his apostles. And then he goes to the cross and dies for his creation. That's not the end of the story. He rose again from the dead to prove that he had power over life and death and to fulfill the word of God. He fulfilled everything that the Old Testament prophecy said. And because he did that, he proved who he was. He is the Messiah. And I'm proving it because I'm fulfilling everything that the Messiah is supposed to do. He couldn't have planned it. He couldn't have planned to be born in, in Bethlehem. That's just not even possible. But that's God's plans, and God made it all perfect. And so the gospel message is such that he came, he lived, he performed the miracles he said he was going to do. He died on the cross as he said he was going to do, that God said the Messiah was going to do. He died on that cross, but he rose again three days up, just like he said was going to happen. And he fulfilled everything that we need to believe. You see, without believing in that, we're hopeless. Salvation comes from believing in that very message, the gospel message of who Jesus is and what he did for us. If we believe that, then we're saved. That, it's as simple as that. But believing in something means there's a life change. We don't just believe with our heads. There are a lot of people that believe in the Bible with their heads. Unfortunately, they've got a screw loose and they don't quite believe everything that the Bible says. And so they only believe what they want to believe and they think that's okay because I am a believer. It's not about just believing in one thing, in, in the gift of salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. It's about believing in such a way that it changes our lives. It changes the way we live. It changes our view of the hope that we have for eternity. And we live differently because of that. It is the power of God's salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and then also for the Gentile. Why? Well, because the Jews were God's chosen people. And the world was supposed to look at the Jews and say, look how God has blessed them. Truly, there is a God because look what he has done for them. Look at the miracles he has done through them and look at how he has blessed them. We need to follow that God. And there were Gentiles that believed that and followed. There were many that had faith in that God because they recognized 
God's hand upon the nation of Israel. Unfortunately, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to be a beacon to the world to show people the love of God and that they can have a relationship with him. It wasn't through following laws and sacrifices and so on and so forth. That isn't what saves them. Right? Galatians, Paul points it out in Galatians that uh, 3.11. It, it says that there is no salvation or justification in the law. You can't be justified by the law. But he says, the just shall live by faith. That's Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk is an Old Testament prophet who said, the just shall live by faith. What? The just shall live by faith. What about the law? What about living by the law? Well, who can keep the law perfectly? Any of you guys? Anyone? You know, it's, it's impossible. And that's why God had to make another way to show us that it's through faith, by his grace, that we're saved. That's where our hope is. So it came to the Jews first, but because the Jews rejected, it came to the Gentiles also. And now we, because I don't know if any of you are Jewish, if you are, praise the Lord, you know, but it doesn't matter because we all are on the same playing field. We're all children of God because of who we believe in. Paul starts off powerfully in this message. For in it, that's talking about the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. And a lot of people have a trouble. What, what does that mean, faith to faith? Every act of faith develops more faith. Every act of faith encourages us to be in faith. And it, it's a continually growing event. Faith by faith, and we continue to grow because it is written, the just shall live by faith. That is the same quote that Paul used from Habakkuk 2.4 and Galatians chapter 3 verse 11. It's the same quote, the just shall live by faith. And so here's the problem that we have we still mess up. We still make mistakes. We still sin. We still have transgression. But the just shall live by faith. And when we apply faith to our lives, we know that God, it's the hand of God because we can't do that on our own. We, we can't. We're not good enough. We're weak as humans, and we have this problem. It's called the flesh. And it prevents us from being godly. But because we've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he doesn't look at us and say, oh, you wretch, get out of my presence. 
We feel like that. But he doesn't look at us that way because he sees us in the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. He looks at us and he sees righteousness. When you look in the mirror, you're not going to see it. You can stand in the mirror as long as you can have one of those magnifying mirrors <laughs> and put it right up there in your face and you're not going to see the righteousness that God sees. You know, and that's good. That's good because I don't want to deceive myself thinking that I'm righteous. I can know it in my heart that that's how God pictures me, that, that that's how God sees me, but I don't want to start taking that as, oh, well, I am so good that God sees me that way. It has nothing to do with my goodness. It's only because of his son. And now he just had those two verses where he starts off telling them these things, the good news, and now here comes the bad news. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness. We are considered part of that group, right? The ungodly and the unrighteous. Everyone is. There is no one righteous. No, not one. But it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we live by. And so the wrath of God isn't poured out on believers, on true believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, the wrath of God will not be poured out. It's poured out on the ungodly and the unrighteous. Here is another point that Paul makes to remind us that we're not going to experience the wrath of God. That that's not part of our future that God will protect us from his wrath when the time comes. When that wrath is poured out, we won't be there. Good news, huh? So it's going to be poured out on the ungodless and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress the truth. It's hidden. They cover it up. They don't want people to see the truth, especially in their own lives. They hide the truth of God that's within them. You see, because what may be known, verse 19, of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. What is known of God, is manifest in them. That's confusing. Because that's basically saying that God has placed something inside the ungodly and the unrighteous. Well, he's placed it inside of all of us. He's placed something inside of each of us that we can connect with him through, that we can recognize 
his power. We can recognize his awesomeness because it lives inside of us. Notice that it says that it's manifest in us. You know what a manifest is? A manifest is, is a list of things, you know, that, that are like, let's say, inside a truck. Years ago, I worked at what was now called Costco. It used to be called the Price Club. And they used to, I worked in the receiving department. And they would back the truck up and we'd open up the gate and there would be 45 feet of pallets with stuff on them. And sometimes there'd be two rows, stacks of pallets all the way to the front of the truck that we had to empty out because it was going to go on the show. And, and we'd be giving a manifest. Here's the manifest. Here's everything that you need to know about what's inside that truck. And God manifests something inside of us. He manifests one jar of forgiveness, a case of grace, maybe two cases of love. And we have this manifest inside of us. That's how people see the glory of God inside of us because they see these things that God has placed inside of us, even inside of unbelievers. But here's what the problem comes. It, it comes when we start filling up the rest of the truck with two pallets of greed four pallets of pride, three pallets of unforgiveness. And we just keep stacking all of this stuff. There's just that little bit that's up front shining the glory of God, but it's covered up with all of this other junk that gets in the way. The things of the world that we put in front of the glory of God. And it just keeps covering up. Five pallets of lust. Five pallets of covetousness. Four pallets of idol worship. These are things that we can easily fall into without even recognizing that we're falling into it. People get caught up in, oh, I want to do this. I, I want to worship this way. I want to, uh, uh, let me give you an example. The Shroud of Turin. People want to take this object and, and say, okay, this is Jesus' shroud that he had on his face and so on and so forth. And, and now there's new DNA evidence DNA evidence? What the? And really, this is a new article that they've now determined, oh, this, this thing is valid. Oh, it's true. It is a distraction. People will start worshiping a shroud instead of worshiping Jesus. It's for the right intent, right? To get people closer in their relationship with God. 
No, it's not. It's a distraction to take our eyes off the object of our worship. His name is Jesus. And we put it on anything. And, and that can be the best worship team in the world. Chris Tomlin, Matt Redman, Phil Wickham, great worship leaders. Man, we sing their songs, but they are not the object of our worship. I don't ever want to distract anyone by putting something up that becomes an object of worship, especially myself. Because I may be a good teacher, but that's only because I have good material. <laughs> it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. And if you get anything out of my messages, it's not because I'm great at what I do. It's he's great at what he's done. And when, when I look, and, and God reminds me this all the time. Do you remember where you came from? Do you remember who you were before? I don't want to. I don't want to remember because I was not a good person. And I don't want to dwell in that past. The only time I like to remember is when he shows me, okay, this is who you are today. But remember where you came from. And uh, it's unsettling, but it brings me great peace because I know I can trust him because I'm not going back there. And I pray the same for each of you, that you know what your past was. Maybe your past was really good. Maybe you were raised as a, as a believer and your whole life was, was peachy and everything and you've never had any problems in your life. And... That's wonderful. I don't want to cause problems for you. But I want to steer you because there, until he comes and gets us and he perfects the work, he completes the work that he started in us, until then, we still got room for improvement. And he's still willing to work on us. There's not any point where he's going to say, okay, take it from there. Okay, I'm done with you. Go ahead. Good luck. He'll never do that. But the manifest, we have a manifest of the things God places in us. We just got to remove all that other stuff that we put inside of us that blocks what God is working in our lives. We take all that out and then we get to shine. And people get to see the things that God has placed inside of us. And then it doesn't point them to us. It points them to him. And that's what they need to see. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. His invisible attributes are clearly seen. How many of you have um, 
been looking in the mirror and checking out yourselves. <laughs> you know, some of you try with that mirror, you know, that, that you know, the, the one that magnifies everything, you know, and uh, sorry, still not strong enough to see a cell, right? It's invisible. One single cell is invisible. You can't see it. But put them all together and look what we get. His invisible attributes are clearly seen in the creation around us, whether it's the complexity of human life, the beauty of trees, the beauty of a sunset. I was talking earlier about this gorgeous sunset last night. As it said, it was just beautiful, the copper, the colors and, and everything. You've seen it. We live in Arizona, and you've seen it. You've seen the beauty. And, you know, scientists will explain, oh, it's the smog from, you know, L.A. and so on and so forth. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you know, because it can stay there. But, uh, you know, we see the beauty in God's creation and we can recognize God's hand on things. And when we lose appreciation for those simple things, it kind of disconnects us from God. We lose the appreciation for the things God is doing around us and in and through us. When we lose the appreciation for those things, uh, we kind of become dull. But everyone Everyone has the ability to see creation. It's all around us. There's nothing in creation that doesn't point to God. Uh, if you look at creation, there's nothing that points to evolution. Nothing. Uh, except for scientists. <laughs> right? They point to evolution. You know? And that's the deception. That's the enemy that wants to deceive the world. And the world is being deceived. There are people starving in other countries while their food source is walking in front of them, belching and giving off um, you know, methane. But there they are. Food source, right there. Why? Why won't you eat the food? Because, well, I don't care if you're vegetarian. You don't have to eat the meat. Eat something that God provides you, first of all. But second of all, stop worshiping animals. And that's the natural progression of walking away from God. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God nor were they thankful, but became futile. That means pointless. They became pointless in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's what happens. That's the progression of walking away from God, of trying to find human answers for a spiritual problem. Their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools 
and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So now we've gone to worshiping God to now worshiping man. Oh, aren't they so smart? Oh, I, I, I saw this YouTube video of this guy. He is just brilliant. He has so many good ideas. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so if he has good ideas, then they came from God. But if he takes credit for them, then I, I don't be standing around him when that lightning bolt comes down. Because we don't take credit for the things that God has bestowed on us. We better not. And so we give credit to people because of their education, because of their financial status. Oh, he's so rich. He must be smart. Thieves are rich too. Liars are rich too. The devil is rich too. He's had a lot of time to work on his treasury and he distributes it to people on high places. And people are often deceived by people that appear to be smart because they're wealthy or because they have power. We don't have to go to Washington DC to see how flawed that belief is. We can see that man does not have the answers for the problems today. It's a spiritual problem. It's not a physical problem. And the more we focus on things, people, the more we give glory to the enemy. And so that's what Paul is pointing out here. You start off with an image of corruptible man. And then it goes to birds, the worship of birds. Oh, they, they fly through the heavens and, and we're going to worship the birds. And then four-footed animals. Now we get to worship creatures. And this is just like in certain countries where cows are giving this honor. Oh, they maybe your uncle that died and now he's come back and reincarnated as a cow. Who would want to be in that religion? <laughs> I'm coming back as a cow. No way. Because if you weren't good enough, you'd come back as a cockroach. <laughs> if you really were bad at it, who knows what you, you could be a bed bug. <laughs> you know, so why would you want to believe something like that? But here's the second part of that is it's man-made. It's something that man came up with. And now we're following a religion that man came up with. Some of them are pretty good. Uh, some of them, they, man, they come up with all kinds of, Scientology, 
there's a, a religion that you can only afford if you're John Travolta or Tom Cruise. Only the wealthy can afford to be a Scientologist. Uh, but people fall for it. They go headstrong into it. And I don't understand why they would be deceived that way. There are many other religions. I don't have to go into all the religions. But it's all a worship. Here's the problem. If you want, look at this, the way it's written. Corruptible man, birds, four-legged animals, and then creeping things. Creeping things. What's our latest obsession now? Bugs. Insects. Let them eat bugs. Right? Uh, we talked about this last week. They're now producing bugs for the purpose of human consumption. Food, a food source. Okay, and, and there's a company in Norway called Insect, Y-N-S-E-C-T, and they are creating edible insects. You know, so they're creating powders and stuff like that that are mixed with flowers and, and, and there was a show where people were eating it saying, oh, it tastes pretty good. You know, Tucker Carlson was sitting there munching on chocolate-covered grasshoppers or what? You know, but that's getting to the idea of a food source for us. Insect worship. We're, we're going to worship these insects because they're our new food source. They're going to provide everything that we need to live. Do you, do, do you notice the degradation in worship, man, birds, four-footed animals, insects, creeping things, reptiles, whatever. Anytime you worship something, you've placed yourself beneath it. You worship a man, you place yourself below them. You worship birds, you place yourself below them. If you worship animals, you place yourself. If you worship earth, yesterday was earth day. Mother earth, we call her. Mother earth, no, I don't call her mother earth. My mother was from Italy. Okay, and, and I don't worship mother earth. Now, we should be good stewards of the earth. We should take care of the earth, but I don't worship the earth. But many people worship the earth over the human race. And they think we should get rid of many people in the human race so that the earth can thrive. I'm not making that up. The World Economic Forum talks about this, that we need to get rid of one-third of the human race so that the earth can thrive. Any takers? It, it's biblical because one-third of the human race is going to be taken out. That's what the Bible says. They don't even realize they're pray, playing right into prophecy. I'm sure they're not reading, reading Revelation saying, oh, we've got to do this next. <laughs> I'm sure that's not it. But here's the good thing. When we place ourselves 
beneath the God of all creation? We elevate ourselves to children of the living God. What greater position can we be in? And so we're worshiping the one true God, not so that we can be called children of the living God, not so we can take our place as these great beings, followers of God. No, not that we worship him because he's worthy to be worshiped. He's proven himself to be worthy to be worshiped and we worship him for that reason. He is a great God. He is the creator of all things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so here are these people who had a knowledge of who God is. The evidence for God is all around us. But they decided to believe the lie rather than the truth. Jesus said when they asked, what will be the signs of the last days, the end times, and of your coming? And the first thing Jesus said was, do not be deceived. And that's the problem today, is that the deception is so great that the majority of the world is deceived in believing anything but the truth. Do you know how you know that this is true? Because you watch the news and you say, what happened to that person's brain? <laughs> the things that they're talking about on TV don't make sense. We scratch our heads. What, what are they thinking? They're thinking that this is what's best for our country? What's best for our children? The perversion that they're promoting? This is the evidence for us that we live in the last days. The fact that we can't explain what we're seeing on TV, what we're seeing in the news, what we're seeing on the internet, we can't explain it. It doesn't make sense even to a non-Christian that has common sense. Many of them are losing their common sense. But uh, uh, people are watching the, uh, the commercials that I see on TV now. The commercials are a method of propaganda to get us to believe something is normal. And so when you watch these commercials and you see these things happening, it's like, that's not normal. Do you know why people are accepting it as normal? 
because God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their woman exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. We don't have any children in here, so I'll go ahead and say this. If you have children at home, cover their ears. This is talking about women doing things with their bodies that they shouldn't be doing, period, with other women. They gave up the natural use of their body. What is the natural use of a woman? To give birth to children. That's a natural use of the body. How do I know that? For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman. See, he left the natural use of the woman. The natural use of the woman was to produce children. And you need a man for that. Okay. TV will tell you differently. But the Bible tells us what we need to know. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. We're talking about homosexuality here for those of you that may not know. Paul is addressing homosexuality. There are homosexuals that say that the Bible tells them that they can love one another and it's okay. And the Bible supports homosexual relationships. They must not have those verses in their Bible. Or they're interpreting them incorrectly. But I'm not putting an interpretation into these scriptures that doesn't just jump off the pages. I am not, I don't have to twist the scriptures to make them say what they say. I'm just taking it the way we're supposed to take scripture, literally. Unless there's a reason for us not to take it literally because it's written as poetry or something like that. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting. God said, okay, you're going to do that? Is that what you believe? Is that what you want to believe? Go for it. I'm not going to stop you. God is not going to force anyone to worship him. Because that would be pointless. The reason why we're here in the first place is so we have free will to worship God and to have a relationship with him. He didn't force us to love him so that we enter into this relationship because he forced us to. We chose. We chose to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants. He wants to have this relationship with us so that we can love him and he can love us and we're, benef we're both benefiting by it. He's benefiting by the fact that he knows he has people that truly love him. Regardless of what our circumstances are on this earth, we love him. 
And he loves us, and we know that. Because regardless of our circumstances here on earth, we know that we've been blessed with the Holy Spirit and with a relationship with him. But these people, were they were given up to a debased mind, doing those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. These are the traits that we're seeing prevalent in the world today. Full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That's what's happening today in our world. Those are the traits that we're seeing of the people that are spreading the work of the enemy. They are empowered by the demons that give them the ability to do the things that they do. How do I know that? Because in my mind, I can't imagine any way that people would follow after these leaders who are leading us off a cliff without it being satanically inspired. And I believe that this is not a physical battle against good and bad. I believe it's a physical or it's a spiritual battle against good and evil. That's really what the problem is. Is that evil has taken such a control of our society that now it is accepted. The things that are going on in some of our major cities here in the United States and people are making excuses for the evil that's going on. They make excuses for it. I, I don't understand how they could be so out of touch with reality. It's worse than that because I go on social media and I read some of the posts from people on social media and they're supporting the same things. They're following the, the same dialogue that's out there in the media telling us what we should and shouldn't believe. And it's ugly, it's sinful. And it demonstrates a sense of corruption of human morals. We have now 
placed ourselves under the worship of sexual immorality. And it's being propagated throughout our country. And here's the worst part of this, is what is said at the very end. And those, uh, and who knowing the righteous judgment of God, they know that this is going to be judged by God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, they know what the consequences are, not only do the same, they, don't, they, they practice them, but they also approve of others who practice them. There are people that are approving of what is going on in the world that don't practice them too. They don't practice them. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not transsexual. I'm not bisexual. I'm not whatever sexual. I'm not one of them, but I support their ability to do that to live that way, and that's sin. And they are just as complicit as the people that are actually doing it. The ones supporting the sin, it's a way of encouraging people to go further in their sin. And so we are the last line of defense in that we shine the light of Jesus in the world. We don't have to get in fights with them. We don't have to argue with them. We don't have to tell them, you're wrong. You're in sin. No, we have to show them the love of Jesus because it's the love of God that's going to draw them away from their sinful lives. We just have to love them as Jesus loves them. But when it's in the church, we do need to call it out. And there are many churches that are supporting this idea that it's okay, that love is love. It doesn't matter, you know, who you love or what you love. It doesn't matter. It does matter very much. That's what this letter is about. That's what Paul is writing about here. This was written to the Roman church 2,000 years ago. It could have been written to our church today. As a matter of fact, it probably is more appropriate for our church today. And so we just need to be prepared because it's not going to get better. It's not going to solve itself. We have to remember we're on the front lines. Be prayed up, ready to go out there and give a defense for the hope that lies within us. Amen.